When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for another episode of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And as always, we're brought to you by Boldfoot Socks at boldfoot.com and by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Man, I don't know if you noticed, I pulled the hot tub time machine out of the corner and it's all revved up and ready to go back to a time and place that we've often talked about here on the podcast. 1967, Kate Ashbury, The Summer of Love. This was an absolutely bonkers time in America. I think the uh, conservative mainstream culture didn't know how to handle what was going on and couldn't believe their eyes with what was happening and people being really fed up with a lot of the system and how the system treated the people. While maybe these people didn't agree necessarily with how they were showing their displeasure, I think deep down in, those people also did agree with them on how things were. Many people did. There were still people who agreed with those policies, but I think there were a lot of silent people who agreed with what the hippies and the counterculture were doing. Ah, the silent majority. That's an issue and a faction that's going to have a huge effect later in the timeline versus the Vietnam War. But there in 1967, they were silent. You're right about that, Marcus. Everybody talks about the summer of love in San Francisco, and that is correct. It was the center. It was where people were going. In fact, that summer, they estimate over 100,000 people, mostly young people, moved to San Francisco because of what was going on in and around the city. All across the nation, such a strange vibration, people in motion. There's a whole generation with a new explanation. To see all of this happening and to experience it in real time had to be an adrenaline rush like nobody's business. Trace of my 
Like everything that we've talked about in our rock and roll journey together, it didn't start in summertime. In fact, the seed of summer happens on January 14th. It's the human being, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, and it sets the stage, as many articles say, for the summer of love. It gets things going. The very next day, though, something that's very different from that in Southern California. On January 15, 1967, on a bright, clear day in the Los Angeles Coliseum, the big question which had troubled the football world for seven years was answered. For the first time, the Green Bay Packers, champions of the National Football League, played the Kansas City Chiefs, the best team in the American football That league. would be the prelude to the Super Bowls that we celebrate today. Well, you might imagine San Francisco to have one of the first successful early festivals. January 29, 1967, the Mantra Rock Dance Festival. Check out the lineup. Big Brother and the Holding Company, The Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, Jefferson Airplane, Moby Gray, Quicksilver Messenger Service, and poet Allen Ginsberg. All on one bill. I'd say they got everybody's attention with that show. I wonder if anybody remembers that show. (laughs) A little something happens in early March. The debut album by The Velvet Underground is released. And a week later in Seattle, their first ever Trips Festival. Groovy stuff, man. And the bill included a little band called The Seeds that we've talked about here on the podcast. New York reacts on March 26th. They hold the first Central Park being 10,000 hippies gathered in the park. Guess what they were doing, Marcus? Dropping acid. Smoking weed. Dropping acid. Don't be dropping acid if you're one of the first to fly on the new Boeing 737 taking off on April 9th that year. Why not? Hey, man, it's your trip. April 14th, San Francisco, the site of 10,000 marchers against the Vietnam War in the streets. Yeah, the United States had really ramped up some of their uh, operations, like their operation in the Mekong Delta, Operation Cochise happened that year. Finally, news reports of the atrocities were coming back and the people were like, what the fuck is all this? People were not happy, especially the young people who were being drafted for this. They didn't want to fight. April 30th, Detroit checks in with the Detroit Lovin' MC5, headlining the bill. It's getting warmer. Summer's getting closer, Marcus. May 1st, Elvis Presley marries Priscilla Below in Las Vegas. May 12th, the Jimi Hendrix Experience unleash their debut album, Are You Experience? Two days later, it's the Portland Trip Festival. <laughs> what a name for a festival. Sweet! And no matter what else they were consuming, the weeds were on stage. A whole lot of other bands, too. Bunch of hippies taking in mushrooms out there in Portland. Also on the 15th of May, the Six-Day War began, known as the Arab-Israeli War, or the Third Arab-Israeli War. 
May 26th, the Beatles released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It became the soundtrack of summer that was budding as the record hit record stores. Days later, Jimi Hendrix breaks out his guitar at London Polytechnic and plays the title track from that album in front of multiple Beatles, Eric Clapton, and others. That was really cool that he had just whipped that up so quickly and gave those cats a nod knowing that they were in the audience. That's mad respect and mad coolness on Jimi Hendrix's part. May 27th, the very next day, the Jefferson Airplane headlines at the Vancouver Trips Festival, dude. And the very next day, as a benefit for the Haight-Ashbury Karmic Ball Fund, what was it, Marcus? The Ancestral what? The Ancestral Spirits Festival of 1967. And seriously, I don't know if you'll know any of these band names unless you were there at the time experiencing all of this. Phantasmagoria, Orchestra, The Epics, The CIA, The Loading Zone. The Richard Honeman Quartet, The Outfit, Lightning Rod, and The Circuit Breakers. Well, the festival you wanted to be at that weekend, the very next day in Spalding, England, Barbecue 1967, uh, a few bands you might have heard of, Cream, Pink Floyd, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, The Move, all in one place, all for one pound admission. Holy shit, man. (laughs) With all the hidden ticket charges today, that would be like 900 pounds. And then the very next day, it was so nice. Seattle did it twice. Another trips festival featuring the Jefferson Airplane and the birds and the electric prunes, dude. This had to have been a fun show, man. For all the bad raps that Seattle's gotten over the decades, man, they've done some pretty cool stuff. And... Seattle needs to get more credit 
for being such a cool city in the music scene historically. Just a rad place. Well, by this point, Marcus, things are starting to ramp up. It's summertime, and the festival gang has figured out some things. Now, two festivals, the same day, right? We're talking about uh, the KFRC Fantasy Fair, which is a benefit for the Hunters Point Child Care Center there. But the bands that they gather to perform is mind-blowing. There are dozens of bands, including some of the biggest names of the time, like Can Heat, and Dion Warwick is on the bill. You, you're like, what? Yeah. Jefferson Airplane and uh, Smokey, and, and it doesn't say if the Miracles were with them, Spanky and our gang, the Steve Miller Band, the Fifth Dimension, the Birds. I mean, this is everybody. The Doors were there, buddy. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. We chased our pleasures here. Dug our treasures there. But can't you still recall the time we cried? Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. And the Doors released their debut album in January of that year, so they were starting to make a lot of noise with their sound as well. Now, the other festival was in San Francisco proper was the Muhammad Ali Festival, named for the champ, right? Yeah. You had a couple of bands like the Steve Miller Band playing there as well. Earth played there, the Hate Street Jazz Band, a couple of San Francisco bands, the Charlatans and the Committee played there. All for the benefit of the community, and that was often a backdrop to all these be-ins or little festivals that were popping up all season long. They had a cause behind them. Love. In the case of Loving versus Virginia, settled June 12th in the middle of all this, the U.S. Supreme Court declares all U.S. state laws prohibiting interracial marriage to be unconstitutional. And the de facto celebration of that, the Monterey Pop Festival, June 16th through the 18th. Oh my God, everybody was there. We just had an episode about Janis Joplin and what happened for her and so many others. But the lineup, Marcus, amazing bands of all genres together. Yeah, this is incredible. Yeah. The Jimi Hendrix experience, the Mamas and the Papas, the Birds, the Association, Steve Miller Band, man, he was active back then. The Quicksilver Messenger Service, Lou Rawls. And a couple bands that weren't on the other festivals like Buffalo Springfield and the great Otis Redding making an appearance. Stuff like that and the Who, too. Everybody knew that this thing happening at Monterey that year was going to be special. Everybody got a kiss of life from it. Yeah, wasn't this where uh, Jimi Hendrix sort of had his coming-of-age live experience in some sort of way? When you see the picture of the guitar in flames, him on his knees coaxing the flames ever higher, that's Monterey. Yep. And as summer's heating up, what's also happening is word of what's going on with all these festivals and love-ins and be-ins and what's happening in the San Francisco area is spreading to other places. And 
other parts of the country start to plug in and have their own shows and their own thing and their own scene going on. That's the lasting initial effect of the summer of love. And of course, San Francisco has to be the one to have a summer solstice festival. Come on, everybody. Big Brother and the Holding Company and the Grateful Dead. Come on down. Only two bands on that bill, but I bet the Golden Gate Park Polo Ground was absolutely packed for those two. And the show went on all day, man. Big Brother played and then the dead came on at midnight, man. Dead played till sunrise. I bet space <laughs> went on from like two to four. His guitar was 11 feet long. A few days later, they had the Forest Hills Music Festival outside of New York. You know, three days of nothing but hanging around the Big Apple, man. The bands were great, but it got a little bit on mom and dad's side of things with Doc Severinsen and Edie Gourmet next to Joan Baez and Jimi Hendrix and the loving spoonful in the doors uh, with the Sandpipers and Trini Lopez. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and Supreme's on that bill, too, so quite a jump all over the place, and it had to have been fun, Mom and Dad rocking out with their kids at this festival. The festival run continues, starting in July, Southfield, Michigan, the Southfield Pop Festival, with hometown favorite Bob Seger, and the last heard, he hadn't gotten to the Silver Bullet part of his career yet. Early on, and a lot of local bands playing this festival out there in the burbs and on the same day over on the west coast back in the san francisco area marin county the festival of growing things happened some guy <laughs> named jack threw some beans into the ground they sprouted up yeah eight of cups big brother and holding company blue cheer country joe and the fish one two three what are we fighting for stuff man but it doesn't stop it does not stop the festivals continue july starts with canada celebrating its first 100 years of confederation and we salute you on our fourth of july the british parliament that year decriminalizes homosexuality a major step forward in england july 7th all you need is love is released in the UK. See what I'm saying? Wow. Despite that as the backdrop, July 12th, the infamous 1967 Newark riots begin. A lot of the city was burned. There were a lot of riots. 26 died. It was unbelievable. Everywhere in the U.S. Look to Newark just to understand what was going on. 
Sniper fire from open windows kills two policemen, a fire captain shot in the back while answering a false alarm, and several bystanders. Scores of police, troopers, guardsmen, and civilians are wounded. Officials said the snipers, some believed not to be Newark residents, used guns stolen from a local rifle factory. Even machine guns were used. Leading up to the Newark riots, there had already been a few riots in other cities. April 1st, Omaha had the first riot where 200 black youths damaged police cars and looted stores. In Louisville, Kentucky, black demonstrators protesting for open housing during segregation. In May, it continued at Jackson State University as Benjamin Brown, a student, was killed by two stray shotgun blasts by police into a crowd which was throwing rocks and bottles. Rookie police officer Louis Kuba was killed during unrest at a predominantly black college campus. Nearly 500 students were arrested. There was a lot of racial tension in 1967. On the festival front, a Midsummer Trips Festival is held in Portland, Oregon with local bands. And then more rioting. July 19th, race riots break out on the north side of Minneapolis on Plymouth Street during an Aquitennial Parade. There's vandalization and fires in the area, and the disturbance is quelled within hours. The next day, a shooting sets off another incident in the same area, and this is all just days after what we were talking about before. A few days later, the 12th Street riot happens in Detroit. Another horrible situation. 43 people die, hundreds injured, 1,400 buildings are burned. In 100 places, Detroit is afire. 100 square blocks are now under siege. And as you walk through the area, people shout from their homes, watch out for the snipers. It began early one Sunday morning in late July. Police raided an unlicensed bar in a black neighborhood in Detroit. A crowd gathered, tempers flared. This is going to happen all over America. It's going to be a hot world, not a hot summer. It's a hot world. On the 29th, on the other side of the pond, it's the International Lovin' Festival in London. Pink Floyd's there. Eric Burden and the Animals. This following program is dedicated to the city and people of San Francisco, who may not know it, but they are beautiful, and so is their city. This is a very personal song, so if the viewer cannot understand it, particularly those of you who are European residents, save up all your bread and fly Translove Airways to San Francisco, USA. Then maybe you'll understand the song. It will be worth it. If not for the sake of this song, but for the sake of your own peace of mind. Strobe lights beam creates dreams. Walls move Minds do too On a warm San Franciscan night Old child, young child Feel alright On a warm San Franciscan night Angels sing Leather wings Jeans of blue Harley Davidson's on a warm San Franciscan night Old angel, young angel Feel alright On a warm San Francisco The bluesman champion Jack Dupree Soft Machine 
and a lot of others, too. July 30th, Milwaukee. Race riots begin there, lasting through August 3rd, leading to a 10-day shutdown of the city in the summer of love, 1967. This is all going on at the same time, Marcus. All the positivity and all the negativity in the same country. Sad yin and yang. August 5th, Pink Floyd released their debut album, The Piper, at the Gates of Dawn in the UK. The Pineapple State gets into the festival game on August 8th that summer with Canned Heat, Country Joe and the Fish, and more. Folk festivals are always part of the burgeoning music scene, and that included the Mariposa Folk Festival in the summer of 67. A lot of very influential people played there, like Leonard Cohen, the Reverend Gary Davis, Buddy Guy, and Richie Havens, just to name a few. And I'll say that many years down the line, I was fortunate enough to attend the Mariposa Folk Festival. Some very cool people there, north of the border, brother. August 9th, things turn the other way as LBJ ramps up Operation Cochise, which you mentioned earlier in the Quezon Valley. And on the airwaves, there's a war on the pirates of radio in the BBC facing off in the courts and on the seas, wonderful Radio London shuts down August 14th. And on the 15th, the United Kingdom Marine Broadcast Defenses Act declares any participation in offshore pirate radio illegal. Radio Caroline defies the act and continues to broadcast. <laughs> they told the crown to fuck off. Or at least the bureaucrats who couldn't get their thumbs out of their butt if they tried. <laughs> Set in Woburn, England, the festival, and I shit you not, of the Flower Children takes place in England with Al Stewart, Alan Price, the Bee Gees, uh, Denny Lane, our friend Denny Lane. Oh, we should ask him about that sometime. Eric Bird and the Animals family, who was part of our Janice Joplin story. Uh, the Jeff Beck group played at this thing, and some other cool people too, I'm sure, but... It's it's all over, man. Festival mania has gone wide and anywhere in the rock and roll world. Uh, festivals are pretty much popping up. A couple days after the Festival of the Flower Children, they have the Festival of Music with the Kinks and a few other major bands, including Hot at the Time, Crazy World of Arthur Brown. August wrapping with a positive as Thurgood Marshall is confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, the first African-American justice. The summer of love is starting to wane, Marcus, but not before the month of September starts with the UFO Festival. Another one we got to ask Danny Lane about. Eric Burden and the Animals, Fairport Convention, Pink Floyd. Imagine them playing at midnight. Oh, you're peeking, dude. <laughs> Soft Machine, the move again. The early guys. Uh, the move and the crazy world of Arthur Brown all together at the UFO Festival. Yes. Before summer actually departs, Jim Morrison and the Doors defy CBS censors. On the Ed Sullivan Show, September 17th, he sings the word higher 
from the song Light My Fire after being told not to do it. They were never invited back, of course. Never tell Jim not to do something. <laughs> the next day, September 18th, the debut of Love is a Many Splendid Thing. Uh, U.S. daytime television at the time involved a lot of soap operas, and it was the first series to have an interracial relationship. In fact, some people quit over it, and I say, you know what? Good. Get out. I don't know about you. Just talking about all this is making me tired. must have been a hell of a summer for anybody who was that age, the right age in 1967. For the summer of love, uh, for the anger over protest, over racial injustice that was the backdrop or the yin and yang, as you pointed out earlier. As the summer fades, the war in Vietnam and opposition to it grows. The hippies have a bit of an afterglow. The musical Hair opens off Broadway and then moves to Broadway by the following April. And then there in October, after it's all over, the Sacramento Pop Festival happens. Right smack dab in the middle of the month. Captain Beefheart's there. That fresh new band, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. They are brand new back then. Uh, the Airplane, the Jefferson Airplane Plan, Strawberry Alarm Clock, all these guys. Spirit is a band you didn't hear a lot of earlier in the summer. And like we said earlier, opposition to the Vietnam War grows. 70,000 people show up in Washington for a rally at the Lincoln Memorial. 50,000 the next day at the Pentagon. And that's where Allen Ginsberg and my hero, Abby Hoffman, along with Jerry Rubin, they try to chant to levitate the whole building and exercise the evil within. A leader of that demonstration was Jerry Rubin, a radical activist of the so-called New Left. We recently asked him his view of the limits of dissent. We're living in the middle of a beast. Lyndon Johnson is a common murderer, and he should be arrested for murder. There are no limits to dissent. I ask my, I think the peace movement should have the anger of a Vietnam, Vietnamese woman whose child was burned by napalm, dropped by American planes, way up there in the sky. That's the anger the peace movement should reflect. The peace movement's got to go into the streets, and it's got to use the tactic of disruption because the American people are drunk with apathy, because they don't care. <laughs> December 1st, the second record, Acts as Bold as Love from Jimi Hendrix and the Experience. A week later, it's Magical Mystery Tour, released by the Beatles as a double EP in the UK and a single LP here in the States. And the Stones, their answer to Sgt. Pepper, their answer to 1967, 
their satanic majesty's request. The next day, December 9th, that famous scene in New Haven, Connecticut, where Jim Morrison basically gets arrested on stage, is a crazy scene in the Oliver Stone movie, and I'll leave it to that, December 9th, we're getting to the end of the year. The day after Christmas, the Beatles film Magical Mystery Tour receives its world premiere on BBC TV in the UK. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Magical Mystery Tour. And the Christmas on Earth Continued Festival happens on Friday the 22nd, just before Christmas, in London, the last festival in the year of the Summer of Love. Eric Burden, The Animals, Soft Machine, Jimi Hendrix, The Move, The Who, Traffic, all there. Pink Floyd, John Peel. Good stuff. And a great way to wrap an amazing year. Did we forget to talk about the music? I think we talked a little bit about the music, but definitely not nearly as much as we should have. But, I mean, think about the pol- politics of the year. The music was tied heavily to the politics. The music was tied heavily to all of the special events that were happening. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of had to mention all of this stuff along the way and just kind of throw out there this is what was going on while all this great music was being created i say we take a break come back and just talk about the music the rock music the pop music that was influenced by what was going on with the the hippie vibe and the psychedelia it'll be a fun second half i'll tell you that i agree back next on the imbalance history of rock and roll talking about 67 the summer of love Well, we're into the active part of the year, and that means more walking with golf and just doing walks for me. And already my bold foot socks have come into play. The new ones I just got in the French Quarter in New Orleans on a vacation, Marcus, where I walked over 25 miles over the course of five days. That's awesome. And you didn't have stinky, muggy New Orleans sweaty feet, did you? No, my feet were dry. In fact, I couldn't feel them at all. It was wonderful. Hey, man, I've been wearing the socks quite a bit as well. The weather's getting nicer, and I'm spending more time on my bike. I'm spending more time walking with my wife and my son. And a lot of times, I'm wearing my Boldfoot socks, and when I'm doing longer rides... The bold foot socks do wonders in wicking the sweat off my feet so they're not as stinky after a ride and not as mushy, and I like that. Swampy feet, bad. Bold foot, good. <laughs> Check them out at boldfoot.com. Always a neat pair of socks. Anything you can want, any size, any style, you can find them at boldfoot.com. And don't forget, they give back to veterans' charities for every pair they sell. Boldfoot socks are American-grown, American-sewn. They're your feet. Be bold. 
Ah, springtime, Marcus, and the warmer weather means the doors are going to be open. People are going to be drinking those crooked eye brews outside, enjoying the atmosphere of the warmer weather as the weather turns towards the beautiful part of spring. But between here and there, they're keeping it rocking inside, too, at Crooked Eye, right there in the heart of Hatboro. And we thank them for their support for about a million years now on the Imbalance History Podcast. With the weather getting nice, that means they're going to line up some really beautiful spring type of beers for you and I to enjoy when you sit outside and enjoy the weather at Crooked Eye. They also have cocktails. They have food. So much more. It is a great place to hang out. And the entertainment is ongoing every night. There's something going on, including my vinyl night, the second Tuesday of every month. Grab some friends. Come on around right there off of York Road in Montgomery. It's Crook and I Brewery, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Always a good time to be had and a new friend to be made. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Ray, I don't know about you, but I am refreshed and ready to continue our conversation about the summer of love, although it extends before and after the summer of love. What do you say we talk about some of this great music that happened because it is tied into society at that time very closely? And essential to the entire hippie thing. What you were into sometimes determined whether somebody wanted to be your friend, as weird as that might seem. And you kind of hit on it already, Marcus. A lot of the music that is the soundtrack of 67 was released in 66 or even 65. But a lot of the music that came out in 1967 was directly related to what was going on either on the front side as um, a catalyst or in reaction to later in the year, like the second Hendrix record or some of the other things that came out 
late in the year, like the Stones record we were talking about. But, you know, the centerpiece has to be, if you think about it, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band slash the Magical Mystery Tour because of the film and the soundtrack and what it meant to psychedelia in the summer of 67. Now, years later, you would discover this music. What about it grabbed you? I was a little older when I first heard the Beatles, and I think I was about eight years old, nine years old, when I started learning about the Beatles records, like Magical Mystery Tour. I got a copy of it on vinyl, and I played the daylights out of it as a kid. I was like, this album is so cool. It's so different than anything else out there, and couldn't believe that my parents weren't as into it as I was. From the Jefferson Airplane, Surrealistic Pillow, setting the stage for so much they would do, both as the airplane and the starship, but for other bands who wanted to rock a bit but also be on the spatial plane. Like the Grateful Dead, who released their eponymous debut in March, just as all the shit's hitting the fan and everybody's heading to Golden Gate Park high as a mother humper, they're ready to roll. They're already playing long for them. They're already jamming on the stuff, you know? This music in 1967, a lot of it is going to be responsible for helping get FM freeform radio off the ground because this music, AM radio stations were way too conservative to play and they didn't give a rat's ass about the FM signals at that time. And then a few guys are like, hey, then let us do this. And they're like, okay, nobody's listening. Here you go. Perfect example. They were playing the Spencer Davis group on the AM, right? They didn't want to hear about Steve Winwood's new group, Traffic, and Dear Mr. Fantasy, and all the songs like that. They also didn't want to hear the music of Pink Floyd or Moby Grape or some of those bands in those days either. They're like, what the hell is this stuff? Kids, ah! They wanted formulaic and FM underground radio starting in 67 and moving forward was the opposite of that. It's where you could hear love forever changes, which I keep running into as I'm doing music listening all through the last week or two. In 67, The Doors dropped the debut and then hastily, by their own admission, released Strange Days within the same year. That's the way everybody was thinking. Keep the momentum going, right? Yep. And those bands worked at a furious pace then between going on the road to support these albums and being in the studio to continually release and write new records. A lot of pressure, a lot more pressure than these some of these bands are facing today. It's the whole music industry way different back then. One of my favorites out of 67, I didn't discover till the next year and after the band had already broken up. I'm talking about Cream's Disraeli Gears, kind of like Clapton's reaction to hearing Hendrix. i 
And oh yeah, aside from the Are You Experienced debut, Axis Bold as Love, both in the same year from the Hendrix Experience. This is what was going on in 1967 against the backdrop of all those festivals and all the social change that was going on out there. Brokel Harem laying down their debut that year. The Mothers were in the picture all of a sudden. The Moody Blues were there. Uh, it was an electric time for music, not only literally, but figuratively, because these people were taking chances and taking risks and exciting the youth, and that was important. The Moody Blues, Days of Future Past, you mentioned it, is really a a key part of all this because of the role it played in the ever-expanding universe of progressive ideas in music. Also, much was made just a couple summers before about Dylan going in electric. Well, there in 1967, he's going acoustic again with John Wesley Harding, a great album, and that's part of the soundtrack of the summer of 67. The Yardbirds, Heart Full of Soul from 65, but a big part of the sound of 67. By the way, that one was written by Graham Goldman, who later would join 10CC. I know we just did a whole episode about her, but, you know, we got to mention that Big Brother and the Holding Company were a big part of 67, their appearance at Monterey, their debut album, and everything that was going on as Janis Joplin led that band towards amazing heights. Well, all this hippie culture, if you want to call it that, really had a large influence. I felt it as a kid in the suburbs who was only 11. I was fascinated by it. And the music that I discovered from it became some of my favorites. So it made me want to discover more. What I didn't realize The insidious nature of the hippie culture is that it had already infiltrated my top 40 brain. I already loved groups like the Mamas and the Papas and the Grassroots and Simon and Garfunkel, one of your favorites growing up. Oh yeah, Simon and Garfunkel was a constant regular in our house. I remember hearing Incense and Peppermints on the radio as a kid and being blown away by the trippiness of that. Mankind, dead kings, many things I can't define. Old cages, bus wagons, 
Yeah, the strawberry alarm clock, man. Listen, there was a lot of stuff that was crossing those lines. The lines were kind of blurred, but it was pop music. The Young Rascals, you mentioned, the Turtles, and Scott McKenzie's theme song for the Summer of Love, as they called it. Are you going to San Francisco? It was like an invitation, right? Yep. But also, we have talked about Motown, and by then, Motown was a beast of a record label, a monster of an influence, and Motown, having stayed away from the political aspect of music for the most part, ended up getting a little bit political with Ball of Confusion and testing that out, but their music stayed relevant through this time as well, so we can't forget the importance of Motown during that time period, too. If anything, the explosion intensified for them in 66, 67, 68, and 69. There was no stopping what they were doing, but all this other stuff was going on, a lot of rock music. But the influence on the social aspects of what was going on, on all the music, well, it's pretty clear. I think it's really clear. There was a little bit of a soft psychedelic edge to a lot of the pop records. 67, man. What a crazy time to be alive. I know you were a little baby. Is there anything you remember when you were little, like your your equivalent to Buddy Holly in my universe that you remember from being in the crib? I do not remember anything from that far back. My mom and my father, when he was alive, reminded me regularly as a teenager that when I was like a year old, my grandfather would pick me up in the middle of the night and dance me around to the mamas and the papas and feed like and like take little pieces of Italian chocolate and put it on my mouth. And <laughs> they'd be like, Mama would be like, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? And my dad would be be dancing us around and playing music. And he did that to me. I don't remember it. My first memory as a child, and I've spoken about this in early episodes, is when the troops were being airlifted out of Vietnam. That really still to this day, um, I can still see the images of that on the small little black and white TV we had. That's a few years down the line, unfortunately. From 1967, my friend, I remember it well myself. And one of the things that kept my dad from being drafted was that he got pushed down the draft number order due to the fact that he had two kids. I'm glad he didn't go. He would not have been the type to want to kill people. I know that for a fact. Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill. But not for voting You don't believe in war For what's that gun you're toting And even the Jordan River has Bodies floating But you tell me
maybe someday we'll actually be able to use the imbalanced time machine to go back to 1967. You know, we can put on the uh, the leather vest with the with the fringe, right? The leather fringe and uh, our headbands and our round John Lennon sunglasses and kind of blend in and see what the actual vibe is. That'd be fun. Yeah, got to remember that if we do that, we got to park it somewhere where nobody's going to get in and take off, though. You know. <laughs> I left it right here, right here, dude. Where's my time machine? <laughs> I hope they aren't able to figure that out. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to put a security system on it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that works. Always fun doing uh, fake time travel with you, my friend, especially when you go back to places like 1967 and Golden Gate Park and the hate man hanging out with the dead and airplane. Mm-hmm. Big Brother's going to play. That'll be fun. Well, if you like time travel like we do, thanks for tuning into the podcast brought to you by Boldfoot Socks. And those socks work just great no matter what time frame you are in the universe. Uh, and also our friends at Crooked Eye Brewery. Always a fun place, always fun stuff, always great brews and great food now with the Salty Vets Barbecue as well. So go see them and uh, pick up some great socks. They got me through a lot of my trip in New Orleans, Marcus. I was wearing my Boldfoot's. I had to give them a day off, you know, to dry out. But, you know, it was beautiful, man. I didn't even feel my feet. All right, till the next time we gather around the microphones here in the Dark Doc Media Studios on the Pantheon Podcast Network, we are the Imbalanced History. Talking about the summer of love, 1967. I'm Ray Koob. I'm Marcus Goldman. Catch you next time on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.